What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English, and today we have a very special guest, a now recurring guest on the English Encore podcast, the only thing that is better than Tyler Ennis, Mike Weber, and a second-round pick. From Channel 7 Sports Director, we have Mr. Matt Beauvais. Matt, how you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, the fans, you know, loved you the last time when we had a chat about the Sabres on my Instagram live session, so we had to bring you back. And we're going to start with the Sabres, and we're going to start with pretty much the hottest topic that's been all over Twitter for about the last week, and that is Jeff Skinner. Um, so Jeff Skinner so far this year, 14 games, no goals, one assist, negative one. He's been a healthy scratch for Ralph Kruger the past two games. You know, he cited he wanted Jeff to kind of sit back and learn. Jeff's press conference kind of said otherwise, saying he's played over, you know, 700 games. He doesn't need to really, he doesn't see the point of it. Um, a lot of fans have been wondering why guys like Kyle Laposo, Cody Eakin um, haven't been sitting instead of him. What is your uh, assessment of the situation in your opinion? So I think both sides can be right because we've seen on social media, there's a lot of people who think that Kruger is crazy for sitting Jeff Skinner. And then I think there's a lot of other people who are like, well, it's completely warranted. He hasn't scored a goal yet. I'm somewhere in the middle. I know that's not like the take thing to do. Everybody wants to have an opinion. I understand why they're sitting Jeff Skinner, but I think there are other players who should have sat instead of Jeff Skinner. So I find myself kind of in that weird middle ground they need five-on-five five scoring. Let's take the game against the Devils last night kind of out of it. They have not been, done a good enough job scoring five-on-five, five, and Jeff Skinner has proven in his NHL career to be an effective five-on-five five goal scorer. Now, you look at the sample size from the first 12 games that he played in this year, clearly something is not working. I'm also of the belief that Jeff Skinner should not be a guy who you put on the fourth line to drive a line. He gets paid a ton of money. He should be able to do that, but he can't. So I think you just need to cut your losses and you need to say, okay, I know he makes $9 million a year. He's not going to drive a line with Curtis Lazar and Riley Sheehan. Just put him on the wing with Eichel or put him on the wing with Skinner and see what, see what happens. But I mean, Ralph Kruger clearly has a problem with his game. Defensively, he is a liability at times. So I think that's kind of where this all stems from. He's been very adamant, Ralph Kruger. This is not a disciplinary thing. It's still weird. I thought after the one game that he would come back into the lineup, but then he sat again. I would imagine he's going to be back in the lineup on Thursday against the Devils, but you never know at this point. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same situation as you, Matt, um, just taking the middle, because as a $9 million player, I think it's kind of expected, no matter what line you're on, you want that guy to at least produce in some capacity. And he has been generating scoring opportunities. He's just kind of been snake bitten, hitting a lot of posts and just not being able to capitalize. My biggest question mark with Jeff Skinner is Ralph Kruger was hired one month prior to giving Skinner that, you know, eight year, $72 million extension when Jason Botter was still here. So it kind of begs the question, if Ralph Kruger didn't really necessarily like Jeff Skinner's game, you think that would have been communicated um, in some capacity to the organization and you paid Jeff Skinner that $9 million based on the fact that he was able to produce 40 goals playing with a guy like Jack Eichel. So to me, not having him in the top six, as you mentioned, not giving him, you know, the opportunity and he keeps getting buried with the Sabokas, the Lazars of the past few seasons. Um, it is hard to fault him in some facets, but as we both just said, at $9 million, he has to start producing. And I 
for one, do think he should have been sat, but I just find it hard to believe when you have Kyle Oposo, zero goals, one assist, is negative three. And I know Cody Eakin got the empty netter last night, but before that he had one assist and was negative five in 16 games. I just think the whole situation is weird top to bottom. I don't know what your thoughts on Kruger maybe should have said something about it to Botterill, or if you think even any of that talk was ever had. I think that Jeff Skinner had all the leverage. And I think when you're in that position and you have the leverage, it is a really difficult position for the team. You know, I, like myself, I was somebody who was like, they have to re-sign Jeff Skinner. He just scored 40 goals. He's a talented player. He's an offensive weapon. Like those are the kind of guys you need. And there were a lot of people who were kind of in the same camp. They overpaid for Jeff Skinner, but the market value, he probably should have gotten eight. But like we said, he had the leverage. So he ended up getting nine. Maybe Ralph Kruger would have said something to Jason Bottrell and was like, I don't think this guy is going to fit, but they just didn't have a lot of talented players. Jeff Skinner, for as south as his game has gone, he is still a talented player. Nobody, I think, would deny that. So it's a weird position because the general manager is the one in charge of putting together the roster. The coach should have some input, but they shouldn't have all the input, and they should kind of be able to work in you know lockstep and that's kind of why the bills have had so much success these last three or four years, because McDermott and Beat are on the same page and clearly Kruger and Bottrell weren't in some facets. And we'll see if it gets any better with Kevin Adams moving forward here. Yeah. And I think Kevin Adams to this point, you can't really, it's hard to really judge him so far just because he was kind of thrown in, in such a weird year with COVID and everything going on. And I think if you would have asked Sabres fans what this team needed in the off season, Kevin Adams pretty much fulfilled most of those obligations he went out and got the big fish in the in, you know, free agency and signing Taylor Hall. He acquired a veteran center that we were lacking in Eric Stahl. You know, he goes out and brings back a young player in Tage Thompson, brings back Olofsson, Reinhardt, guys who have been key contributors. Um, not really much on the decor or the goaltending, which I think is two of the bigger things that still need to be um, addressed going forward. But why do you think some of these, you know, moves they've made so far haven't really panned out you know Hall is struggling he scored the first goal of the season for the Sabres hasn't scored since um, Eric Stahl's kind of been up and down at sometimes he looks like the old Eric Stahl sometimes he looks like he's continuing to age and then Tage Thompson the really only piece the Sabres are holding on to in the Ryan O'Reilly trade just continues to do baffling things on the ice I mean he gave Tom Wilson a wide open goal and then Wilson made an even worse pass but just things like that on the ice are very frustrating for a lot of Sabres fans and why do you think some of these things just aren't working so far with these acquisitions that's a tough one um I think that some players aren't being utilized the way they should I think it's also a little bit of bad luck like Taylor Hall is a good hockey player I think eventually he's going to figure it out you can say the same thing for Jack Eichel there's probably some sort of connection there you know when they were playing on the same line now Hall at least from our vantage point you know like Eric Stahl is slower Eric Stahl is not the same player that he was so I think Hall has to kind of pick up a little bit of the load on that line uh Tage Thompson I don't understand that move at all well I understood the move when they made it because when you made the move it was like okay it's not very high risk Hopefully he turns into a player who can be a contributor in the bottom six for a long, long time. He has the skill set to an extent. He has the body type that you would want for a bottom six forward. It just hasn't worked out. He is not a full-time NHL player. He, to me, kind of reminds me of like Justin Bailey, who was the same thing in flashes. He did some nice things, but wasn't a full-time NHL player. And after a while, I think that became evident. It, it, it was a tough position for Kevin Adams. You know, he gets thrown into it 
right in this really weird offseason. And I think the biggest problem for the Sabres is they just still lack talent up and down their roster. Like you have Jack Eichel, you have Sam Reinhart. I think those guys are really, really good hockey players. I think Taylor Hall is still a very talented player. And I think Jeff Skinner is better than obviously he's produced. I think Victor Olofsson is an absolutely lethal player on the power play, but I don't think he does really much of anything five on five. So that's an issue. Eric Stahl was brought in to be your number two center and he has been okay. He hasn't been great. He hasn't been terrible, but I think he was, I think we expected him to be a little bit better than he is. Dylan Cousins, too small of a sample size. Looks like he's going to be really good, but still we don't know. And then you have some contributors in the bottom six, but for the Sabres this year, the bottom six has been fine. It's been the top two lines that have really, really struggled. So I think that's the thing that, you know, if they are going to turn a corner here, if they get the same production from their bottom six and Eichel starts to score and Hall starts to score and Eric Stahl starts to play a little bit better, like that line, those two lines are going to contribute and this team is going to be pretty good. So it's just still a talent thing. And now like on the blue line, they, they couldn't do anything about this with Ristolainen in the COVID situation. Oregon probably out for the year, a cave out for the year. Like those are two, three of your top, probably six defensemen because Yoki Haru has taken a little bit of a step back. So right now you have Deline and you have Miller and then you have Yoki Haru who you kind of just have to play because there really isn't anybody else. And then every single night you're starting some revolving door of Matt Irwin, of Davidson, of Bryson or whoever it might be. So when Ristolainen comes back, they'll get a little bit of help there, but they're still going to be starting two defensemen who they did not anticipate that they would be starting in any point this season. So it's been tough. Linus Hallmark's been good lately. So that's a, that's really promising. And Carter Hutton's been okay too. They just goal scoring is a huge issue and their top two lines need to figure it out. Yeah, I 100% agree. They've just definitely been snake bitten, both just hitting posts, not scoring, um, defensemen getting hurt, getting the COVID situation. Um, I think a lot of the fans were just frustrated because they came out of the COVID break and just looked so unenergetic and underperformed against a tough Islanders team. When you see the New Jersey Devils come out of COVID and then earlier in the year, both Carolina and Dallas come out. And obviously those are two more talented teams, but they're able to, you know, put points up and win games. Sabres fans get really frustrated. I know I was frustrated. Um, It gets to the point after a while that you see these same faces over and over that it's only a matter of time before you want to blow it up. I'm, I'm kind of already at that point. I kind of want to just see, I'd almost rather to see everything new again, just because, it gets frustrating when you see the same thing over and over. And right now, from my perspective, like it's nice that we're looking better on like the ice the past few games. We've really only beaten the devils this year. And we won a game against the Rangers once and against the Capitals once it's time to start beating, you know, the flyers and the penguins who we haven't played yet. And the Bruins, when it comes that time, I think they got to kind of put in a tough division as well this year. Um, How realistic do you think it is that the Sabres can turn this around and make, you know, an actual playoff push. And if for some reason they don't, how long is it realistic? I know we talked about it a little bit last year, but I think it's kind of actually starting to become more of ferality than actual rumors in Jack Eichel wanting out. I would say there's a 33% chance that this team turns it around and makes the playoffs. So I don't think it's impossible, but I certainly don't think it's probable. I just don't think the roster is good enough. I think there's significantly better teams in the division. I think Boston is exceptional. I'm not as sold on Pittsburgh as some people, but I still think the Penguins are better than the Sabres. I think the Flyers are better than the Sabres. I think the Islanders are definitely better than the Sabres. I think the Capitals are better than the Sabres. The Rangers, whatever. The Devils, probably not. 
but still, you know, I think that they're kind of buried in this division. As for the Eichel stuff, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. If this doesn't figure itself out, if they don't even, if they don't at least have a commendable season here and things really go off the rails, I don't, I don't see how this plays out and works out in the favor of the Sabres. I, I just think that, you know, after a while, the losing has to just take a toll on somebody. And even though he's the, this is just me speculating. I, I don't know this for sure. I'm sure he wants to stay in Buffalo. I'm sure he really wants it to work in Buffalo. I just don't know if it ever will. I mean, you know, you can't keep doing this over and over and over again. Eventually they're going to need to figure something out. And the only asset that they really have to just kind of blow it up and start all over would be Jack Eichel. So I don't know what's going to happen. I, I'm not confident that they're going to turn it around. It's not impossible, but I, I wouldn't bet on it. That's for sure. Yeah. I find it, found it very curious when there was, I believe it was Elliot Friedman when he was on with the Inskaters, I believe last week when he talked about there was mutual interest between um, Taylor Hall and the Sabres and getting an extension done. It was almost like part of me was like, I wonder if they're just doing that because if they can sign Hall to a longer term deal, maybe It'll help Eichel at least put off another year or two. Um, and at some point, I think Jack is going to start producing. Obviously, he hasn't produced at the level. I mean, we saw him yesterday's game. After he hit the post for a third time, he kind of just smiled because he knows it's going to be coming. Um, I just want to know, um, in your opinion, I know Dylan Cousins' small sample size, and I know you, you said he might be a star. What, do you what have you thought of his game so far? Because I think every time he's been in the lineup, he's been – spectacular for a young player so far this year yeah it does not look like the game is too fast for him he's a strong skater the thing about Dylan Cousins I've had a couple of people tell me this over the years Dylan Cousins is really good at a lot of different things he's really good at pretty much everything he's not like superstar elite at any one particular thing but he's really really good at a lot of different things so when you have a player like that they're not going to always be the fastest player on the ice. They're not going to have the best shot on the ice. They're not going to be the best passer on the ice, but maybe they're going to be the second fastest skater on the ice with the second best shot and the second best passer. And when you put all those things together, you get a really, really solid player. So I think Dylan Cousins is having a very strong rookie season. I think he's going to be a good player for a long time. I think Dylan Cousins is like your absolutely perfect second line center eventually with the potential of being more than that, with the potential of being a really good first line center. If they keep Jack Eichel, then he won't need to be. And that's kind of the way that good teams are built. But that's asking a lot at this point. So I, I've been impressed. I think he's talented. I actually think he's been one of the better players on his line and he's drove play a little bit. Uh, there's not really much that I don't like. So that's promising. He's one of the few bright spots on the team right now. Yeah, I completely agree. I think he's definitely the next jersey I would want to buy if I was a Sabres fan, if you didn't have the top guy of like Darlene or Eichel. Um one quick note on Cousins. I'm kind of curious your opinion on this because we saw when Sam Reinhart was drafted, you know, he was a center and then he kind of got put on the wing and he stayed there. And there has been some concern with Sabres fans, um, at least that I've seen on social media, that, you know, they did want to leave Cousins on the wing for now, kind of to groom him along under Eichel and Eric Stahl. Um, and some people have already been clamoring for him to kind of get a shot over Eakin at third line center because we've seen him drive play a little bit more. Do you have any concern that he ends up playing well enough on the wing that they kind of keep him there like Sam Reinhardt or do you think ultimately he will get to that center spot I think you only stay at the wing if you can't handle the responsibility of being a full-time NHL center and I think the situation has been a little complicated with Reinhardt I think Reinhardt probably could play center but he is so clearly an asset at the wing that they needed to keep him 
And when he was coming up, you still had Ryan O'Reilly and you still had other players. So it just made more sense. I, I don't have a concern with it at all. I think that the responsibilities of a center are so much greater than the responsibilities of a winger, especially in the defensive zone, that this is a good way of kind of grooming him and protecting him a little bit. And this is how a lot of teams do it. And it's kind of proven in the past that it works, not necessarily here in Buffalo, but with other teams, like this is not a bad thing that he's playing wing. So I would not move him. I would keep him right there. The only place I would potentially move him is up if they wanted to put him on Eichel's wing, but I wouldn't really move him down and ask him to be a bigger role on the third line or anything like that. Just keep him where he is. Let him keep doing what he's doing. Cause right now, even though it's only three goals, it's, it's still working though. Cause he's been pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I'm hoping that we get the ladder of that 33%. I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I think it's going to be really tough just because as you said, the flyers, I think they're really good. Islanders are just so good defensively. And then, you know, like you said, Boston's still the class, I think, of this division right now. I think, like you said, Pittsburgh's probably better than Buffalo. Their goaltending's been up and down all year. And then the Rangers probably are a little worse than Sabres now because of the whole Panarin situation. Um, but like I said, like you said, I think it's going to be really tough unless if the top line starts clicking, I think you have a chance, but you have to start stringing, you know, three and four wins together before a loss, not, you know, flipping every other and I think the biggest reason why a lot of Sabres fans are mad is also because of how successful the Bills have finally been. So we're going to transition to the Bills now. Um, you were around the Bills all season. You got to go to the game in Kansas City. Um, just overall, what was your takeaway from this amazing season for the Bills? One that, you know, for myself and a lot of people, you know, RH haven't seen in so long. They're on the right track. Like they're very clearly on the right track. And I understand how bittersweet the ending of the season was because that loss was really, really tough. And they're a good enough team to win a Super Bowl, but they still have areas where they need to improve. So my big takeaway is like, okay, you showed us what you can do. You showed us what you're made of. You're one of the best teams in the NFL. Now, how do you take it to go from one of the best teams in the NFL to the best team in the NFL going into next season? For me, it's Super Bowl or bust barring any terrible, terrible injuries or some really, really unforeseen circumstances. That's what it needs to be. I think the biggest storyline from the Bills season was the development of Josh Allen. I think that's like kind of a no-brainer. Josh Allen went from a guy that, you know, we didn't know what was he going to be. Was he going to be able to take a small step? You know, I, I've said a lot of times, last season he had 20 passing touchdowns. And I said a lot. I was like, okay, if you get to 25 and you can keep the rushing touchdowns that you had, that's very commendable. Well, he went from 20 to 37, and then he added eight rushing touchdowns and a receiving touchdown. That's ridiculous. I mean, there's a reason he's got the third best odds in the NFL right now to be the MVP next year. Josh Allen is an elite player in the NFL. He's a top five quarterback in the NFL, and he's still 24 years old. So that's the biggest takeaway for the Bills. It's like, you found your guy. He's a freak. He's going to be the face of this franchise for the next 10 years. Now they got to figure out how do they get better defensively? How do they get better running the ball? How are they better on both lines, the defensive line and the offensive line? They kind of got pushed around in that Chiefs game, but they're on the right track, and that's a good place to be. They're, they're in a really, really great spot. I would think almost, you know, I would say 90% of the other teams in the NFL would rather be in the position the Bills are in right now than the position they're actually in. So it's, it's a promising, exciting time to be a Bills fan. Yeah, it's, it was such an unreal year, and I think a lot of fans just, even when they did lose games, like it was still – like not to say that losing is fun, but it was almost like it was fun still watching them play compared to the old days where they were just getting 
absolutely blown out. I mean, I know they lost kind of big to the Titans, but you know, that was such a weird game with COVID and everything. Um, like you said, I think they're going in the right direction. I think the salary cap is definitely going to be the biggest question, how Brandon B and maneuvers around that right now on um, this offseason. So kind of transitioning into that um, and getting the takeaways from the Super Bowl, you know, the speed of the linebackers and, you know, the pass rush of Tampa Bay really stood out to me. And it was like, that is the thing the Bills need to do because Tremaine Edmonds, I think people were getting on him a little bit too much. I mean, he's only, what, 22 years old. Like he's only going to continue to grow. Um, Matt Milano is the huge question mark right now because when he plays, the Bills typically win games and he is a valuable asset, but he has had some injury issues. It seems like the market might be a little bit more than the Bills are going to be able to pay him. Whether or not he's going to be able to stay here um, is going to be a big question mark. And I also think I would get your opinion on this. Um, I think the Bills draft might actually revolve around, you know, Milano's decision because if Milano walks, that might change the Bills gear as far as they might need to look for a linebacker in the first or second round compared to if he comes back, you might focus on another position like cornerback or even a running back. I know that's kind of, I really don't want to touch a running back in the first round, but some people have had that idea floated around. Um, do you think that the Bills are going to bring Milano back? And do you think some of these other guys that are kind of being rumored um, that could be cut, whether it's Butler, Jefferson, um, Addison to get a guy like JJ Watts come in. Um, do you think that's actually, uh, could happen? I think the JJ Watt thing could happen. I don't know if it will, but I think it definitely could. Um, I think they want to bring back Matt Milano. I don't think they will because I think he's going to get paid a lot of money somewhere. And at a certain point, the bills just kind of need to cut their losses and go, okay, we're not going to be silly here. You know, like if a team is willing to give Matt Milano $14 million a year, I mean, what are the bills going to do? Like they probably shouldn't make that investment, even though he's a very good player. Nobody is, nobody is suggesting they're a better team without him or, you know, that they shouldn't try and sign him. It just might be too expensive. I don't think that what happens with Matt Milano will have too big of an impact on the draft because I do know that Brandon Bean is all about best player available. And I know every general manager says that, but he truly means it. I don't think he's drafting for position need. I think when you're at 30, you have a strong enough team that you really can just take the best player and see how they fit onto your roster. The cap casualty is an interesting conversation because Guys like Mario Addison, Vernon Butler, Quentin Jefferson, John Brown, those are the first ones that come to mind. If you move those players or if you restructure them, you can save a lot of money. So I would bet there are going to be difficult decisions that have to be made there. I don't think all of them will get released, but I think a few of them will. A couple of people have thrown Jerry Hughes' name out there. I don't think that's going to happen at all. Jerry Hughes was really solid last year, so I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Trent Murphy's not going to come back. Like, obviously, really big letdown in, like, every game that wasn't a Ravens game. Um, I, I think that they should try and keep Isaiah McKenzie. I really like what he brings to the offense. And I think that if you bring him back, then probably Andre Roberts is expendable, even though Andre Roberts is a valuable player and a talented player. I think that if you keep McKenzie, then you can just kind of get him to do what Roberts did and still use him as your kind of toy trickery player on offense. For me, the biggest thing is you got to improve the pass rush, probably solidify your second cornerback, whether that be in the draft, whether that be a free agent, you know, it can be Rhodes, it could be Sherman, it could be Boyer, you know, there's, there's a lot of different intriguing options that are out there. So I think those are probably the first two things that come to mind. I don't, hate the idea of drafting a running back, but I also 
don't think it's their biggest need. But like I said, if they're sitting there and they love Najee Harris, then or ETN, like you know, whatever, maybe they're just going to be like, yeah, we want that guy. He's too valuable. That's what we want to do. But I like I think that very clearly they need to figure out a pass rush. They need to be better there, and they also need a stronger cornerback. And if they lose Milano, then you probably draft a linebacker. It doesn't have to be the first round. I mean, Milano's a fifth round pick. I'm not saying that you're going to hit on another fifth round pick or anything like that. But you could certainly, you know, try and use your second or your third round pick to get a solid linebacker who can come in and play. They like AJ Klein. I would bet that he's still around next year, especially because he knows the system. I mean, they're in a good spot. Like even with the players that they could be losing, they're still in a good spot. A lot of teams are losing players. And Brandon Bean's good with the cap. Like Brandon Bean will figure out the salary cap, even though it's really, really tight right now. It's really tight for a lot of teams. You know, it's funny. You look at like the lists of the teams with the smallest salary cap, you know, available. And the bills aren't even in the top 10. And you're like, the bills, it's so tight. How are they not a top, you know, how do they have this much money available? But they'll, they'll figure it out. Just fix the pass rush and get a second cornerback. And then whatever you do to the offense, just make sure that you keep throwing it like 40 times a game. Yeah, I, I completely trust Brandon Bean. He's shown already that he knows all the right button, buttons to push. Everyone thought the Bills were foolish for the amount that they gave up for Stephon Diggs. And I know Justin Jefferson's a great player and all. I think he's going to be a superstar in this league. But Stephon Diggs was worth every single penny, yeah. not only just for the Bills offense, but for the development of Josh Allen. John Brown is a very interesting name. I'm a huge John Brown fan. I think the injuries really hurt him last year. I think he could be one that they might look to have a pay cut. And then if he doesn't, maybe that's a person you let go because you like Gabe Davis. We still don't know what Isaiah Hodgins is. He's a big body receiver that did a lot um, in college. Um, and then one thing I want to get your opinion on for the line, I think Joe DiBiase had brought it up um, on Twitter a few weeks ago in regards to the center position because Cody Ford is going to be coming back. I think he's going to really help their run game a lot. I think Cody Ford gets knocked a little bit too much for a guy that Never really got a full offseason for the Bills since he's gotten here. And then injuries and COVID, he hasn't gotten to really get one position. Because when he first came in, they were still trying to figure out whether he was a guard or a tackle. And I think he's really going to help. Feliciano is a good run blocker, but they're not sure if they want to pay him. I believe it was Joe that threw out the idea of maybe either restructuring or cutting Morse and paying Feliciano to play center. Um, I just want to get your thoughts on what Feliciano brings and if maybe that idea is at all realistic or even in Brandon Bean's mind, potentially. I am operating under the assumption that John Feliciano will be back next year. Um, I, I just think that he's too valuable to that team for him not to come back. And I think it would take like a truly insulting offer for him to, you know, test the waters and go elsewhere. They're still going to have to pay him. I mean, he's not going to take a massive, you know, like discount to play in Buffalo. As far as the idea of Mitch Morris, leave it alone. Like Mitch Morris is still really, really good. And like, I get it. You could probably save a little bit of money if you signed Feliciano and if you moved him inside or whatever it might be, maybe you can try and look at restructuring him. Absolutely not. If it comes to cutting him, like no way. Mitch Morris is still way too valuable to that team. He does so many things that, you know, none of us notice on every given play. There's a reason Josh Allen took these steps with Mitch Morse as his center for these last two seasons. You know, the guys played with Patrick Mahomes, the guys played with Josh Allen, both of them are pretty good. Just Mitch Morse, if, sure, if he's willing to restructure to save you a little bit of money, you can say that about literally any player. If any player is willing to restructure, then it's something that you look into. But no, do not get rid of him. Do not cut him. He is your starting center next year. 
And then one more quick note on the cornerback thing. I want to get your thought real quick on, I really liked Dane Jackson last year in the games that he did play. And I know Brandon B had kind of thrown his name out at the end of the year press conference. He's going to get the opportunity to compete. Do you think that, you know, they have enough guys, whether it's Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson, that they don't bring in a guy like a Boye or Pat Peterson, like you had kind of mentioned, or even draft someone pretty high. Do you think Jane Jackson actually has a realistic shot at starting opposite Trey White next year? I don't know if he has – well, I mean, he's got a shot. I don't think that I would chalk him in there by any stretch. I think that that would be really good positional depth. I think that you have Tredavious White, and if you bring somebody else in, however you do it, whether it's free agency, whether it's the draft, and then you have Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson, I think you're in a really good spot. Because injuries ha- – cornerback injuries happen a lot. So there's going to be guys who are called upon they're going to need to play. So you want depth at that position especially, and you want guys who can step in. So I think if you have – your top two, and then you have Levi Wallace, who you know can start, and then you have Dane Jackson, who was really strong his rookie year when he did play, then I think you're in a good spot there. I don't think he's going to be the starter, but I think he's going to be a contributor, make the 53-man roster, you know, be on the team. And then last thing on the Bills before we do our quick draft to end uh, the show, uh, is there a tight end, whether it's in the draft, fringy, or trade, that's really piqued your interest? I know that's really a position to Bills and Brandon Bean, I talked about, you know, the Bills tight end didn't give you a threat, kind of like other teams gave the Bills, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, all those types of, you know, versatile tight ends. I know Zach Ertz, Jonu Smith, uh, Mm -hmm. Gerald Everett, and then in the draft, whether it's Brevin Jordan, Kyle Pitts, names have been thrown around. Is there any tight end specifically that's really, uh, you know, piqued your interest as far as the offseason is concerned? I'm intrigued by Jonu Smith because I think he's a playmaker and I think he's talented and I think he can do a lot of different things, but I also think that other teams know that and he's going to get paid. The idea of Ertz is also interesting to me, but that would all depend on the money and it would depend on the situation. Like it seems like he's going to be gone. It seems like he's going to be available, but you're not paying that guy anything more than like $5 million a year. You don't know how much gas he has left in the tank. Um, I mean, yeah, like Pitts would be incredible, but they're, they're not going to yeah, get him. Like no. he's not going to, unless you're going to trade up to do that. And I don't think that you should really ever trade up for a tight end. So Johnny Smith is probably the top of my list is like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Like that's, that's a really cool, fun player that you could add to this offense that, you know, is already pretty dynamic, but I wouldn't break the bank because I think other teams are going to want him really, really bad. So that's kind of why I, I think maybe you just take another flyer like Dawson Knox is, flashed at times but you got him in the third round basically just based off his athleticism maybe there's going to be a tight end available in the second or third round this year that you can see what they have and kind of go from there yeah absolutely and to close out today's show we're gonna be doing interesting draft for the people of buffalo we're gonna be drafting top five either pizza or wing places so we both better draft well or we might get ripped apart on social media for this yeah since you are the guest, I'm going to let you go first, Matt, and then I'll we'll snake draft it. So I'll get two in a row and it'll go back to you. Okay. Um, so either pizza or wings or a place that maybe has both. But we're going to start with you. And what is your first pick? Okay. So it's, it can be either one or somewhere that has both? Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm writing this down just so I, I can keep track of this here because I've got a piece of paper next to me. Uh, I'm going to start with Barbell. All right. It's a great first pick. That'll be my first pick. Yeah, you can't really go wrong with them. Um, I'm going to come back with probably my second favorite two-bar bill. I'm going to go with 9-11 Tavern. 
really love their wings. Yeah. I think they're really good. They're always big, juicy. Um, and then my second pick, I'm going to go for pizza. And this place is just their social media alone gets it done for me. I'm going to go with Macy's pizza because yeah. those pizzas are insane. The things they do with them, maybe not the best quality for some of them over some other pizza places, but yeah. I just love their pizza. All right. So then I'm going to hit you back with, uh, I'm going to go bocce Ooh. for pizza. Uh, and then I'm going to go Elmo's. Oh, you took my next pick. That's a great pick. There you go. All right. Too. All right. I'm going to come back with another good wing place that I've only been to a few times, but they've been great both times I went. I'm going to go with Gabriel's Gate. Yep. Really good wings. And then I'm going to come back with a pizza that my dad got me into because he's from West Seneca. I'm going to go with Nino's Pizza. I've okay. always loved Nino's Pizza. I know some people don't like it more than others, but I love Nino's Pizza so much. And I'm definitely missing it down here in Florida. I have never had Nino's pizza, um, but I'll take your word for it. So I've got two strictly wing places. Uh, so I probably need to take another pizza place and I need to take, maybe I'll take another place that has both of them. Ooh, this is tough. I love Duff's, but I already have Barbell and Elmo's. So I don't think I'm going to take Duff's. Um, I'm going to take, oh, this is so tough. I'm taking, I know. I'm taking this so seriously. Um, <laughs> I'm going to take La Hacienda. Oh, good a, pick. Good pick. I love La Hacienda. Uh, I'm a North Towns guy, so I got to stay true there. And then for my last pick, I'm going to take, oh, this is tough. Um there's so many Ooh. good choices. You can't really go wrong, except if you pick like the one that everyone like hates or something. That's what I mean. <laughs> uh, I love Duffs, but I don't think I need Duffs because I've already got Barbell and I've already got Elmo's. I've got Bocce. I've got La Hacienda. So I've got like my Buffalo style pizza and I've got my <laughs> thinner New York style pizza. I mean, it's your draft, man. If you want Duffs, man, you can just have it. <sighs> I don't think I'm going to, I don't think I'm going to take Duff's. I am just trying to think of like, if something's going to pop it, there's a lot of places that are popping into my head. I'm thinking about Picasso's. I'm thinking about Lenovo because then you get pizza and wings. I'm thinking about Casa de Pizza because I love their pizza. Um, oh, this is tough. I'm going to go with, um, Oh my God, this is awful. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I'm just going to take Duff's. All right. I'm just going to take Duff's. I, I, oh. I, don't know, I don't know what else to do. You're leaving me in a tough spot because now I'm down between two. Uh, I love Casa de Pizza. So yeah. now being in Florida, you know, there's really not a ton of pizza places, but there is a Casa de Pizza by where I work. Oh, wow. And we got it right before the Bills Ravens game. And that was hands down great pizza and they have chicken fingers which for some reason isn't a thing down here which really upsets me yeah it's like just like nuggets and stuff it's not fingers so that's disappointing oh, that's, just, that's awful but i am gonna take picasso's because my okay. friends would absolutely rip on me if i didn't that's their favorite pizza place we used to go there all the time for lunch you know whether it was after school or at before after work and if i didn't yeah. take that and it was on the board they would rip me to shred so P i'm gonna take very good picasso's. so yeah. you know i think overall very strong draft I'm going to get this all put together 
and I'll make sure I, I'm going to get a good graphic. I'm going to throw it on Twitter, put a poll with it. We'll see who wins. So we'll see what the fans think on social media. But Matt, I greatly, greatly appreciate you joining me again. Fans are really going to love this episode once again. And I look forward to uh, talking some Bills and Sabres to you in the future, man. Thanks, man. Have a great rest of your week. I appreciate yeah. you having me. Yeah, you too, man. Thank you again. Thanks, dude. Have a good one. Yeah, you too, Matt. Appreciate it. For sure.